This is the Right Way Podcast. Right Way Podcast. The 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 Right Way Podcast. Yeah. Hello to everyone in digital land and thank you so much for joining me on this particular episode of the Right Way Podcast program with me, your host, Samuel Elliott. Today's guest is a very special guest in that they are the second film director that I've had on the third film director I've had on the program, I should say. Uh, second internationally, though, second international guest. Uh, the first being Dasha Nekrasova discussing with me uh, the scary of 61st uh, at the end of late last year. This particular episode, I got to speak to Mia Hansen Love, French director, about her latest film, Bergman Island, all the way from France. Uh, for those of you not in the know, Mia Hansen Love has had an incredibly sterling successful career thus far, hugely uh, well received with her year of films that she's put forward. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the ones in which uh, are probably the most well known uh, that have hit our shores. All is Forgiven is one, Father of My Children is another. Uh, maybe Eden potentially could be her best known uh, and that has definitely been in cinemas in Australia I think I uh, saw that a while back uh, that particular one uh, Mia co-wrote with her brother uh, who served as the Inspirations fan I think he was a DJ within the 90s and the film centres around that Anyway, me and Mia discussed her latest film, Bergman Island, which is just out now in Australian cinemas. So Bergman Island, as its name would suggest, is uh, follows or centred around Bergman Island, which is, uh, I'm going to butcher the pronunciations in Sweden, but a furrow, I think. Uh, the spelling is probably more correct in the bio and the pronunciation there, in the bio that I've made for this particular episode. But yes, anyway, it centres around Bergman Island. Named after uh, one of its most famous occupants, Ingmar Bergman, uh, influential, hugely in influential Swedish film director. Probably can't uh, his legacy probably can't be overstated enough. Um, I myself have had the good fortune of listening to Ari Ari Aster and Robert Eggers, two of my favorite contemporary filmmakers, discussing how much uh, Ingmar Bergman has had an influential impact on lasting legacy within their own sort of work. So that uh, is probably a good indication of uh, how much he still influences people some 30, 40, 50 plus years after his work has come out. But yes, so Bergman Island, Mia Hunter Love's film that we discussed uh, follows two central characters, at least it starts off with two central characters, uh, Chris and Tony. Tony has been summoned to Bergman Island uh, to appear at the Bergman Island, the Bergman Museum there to give a bit of a masterclass and a bit of a revival or uh, introspection, retrospection, I should say, sorry, of Bergman's work. Uh, but he's also utilizing the time, uh, as is his wife, Chris. They're both utilizing the time with their own projects. And I'd probably argue that uh, Chris is actually the main character of this story. Chris in, its, uh, in herself is somewhat feeling a bit of writer's block with her latest project uh, and is trying to best utilize the time by unblocking that writer's block. And like Bergman her, uh, himself, she's finding a connection with the natural beauty and the, the silence, which I think Mia also talked about in the interview as well. Uh, and as the story progresses, she uses her um, husband, partner, Tony, as a sounding board, trying to devise some different sort of ideas there that what she's stuck with. And then that's therefore launches the story within a story, uh, which I don't want to give too much away about. 
felt in many respects like a Bergman tale of love lost and you know such such things like that in terms of the human condition but again I don't want to give too much away but yes anyway so everyone please give a big digital round of applause to Mia Hunts and Love talking with me all the way from France about her latest film Bergman Island. Mia, thank you so much for joining me on the show. Um, I wanted to start off by actually asking you, and I wondered if this was somewhat of the inspiration for what became Bergman Island, but do you think a person uh, as influential as Bergman himself, can their soul can live on in an environment long after they themselves have passed away and it's something in which, whether it be other creators or other people can feel when they uh, visit the same locations? Yeah, if he can live on, you mean after he's passed away? Yes, right? if it's if it's something in which you feel, is it is it is it is there is Bergman's soul there? Is that what you yourself maybe perhaps felt when you were kind of visiting the same sort of area? Ah, uh, yes, absolutely. I uh, mm. I think if I I didn't believe in that, I I wouldn't have spent so much time on the island and making this film. It would have been, I think, almost absurd. Or yeah, I I uh, I've 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 never believed so much in ghosts. Then while I was writing and making this film, I know that Bergman believed in ghosts himself. So, of course, when you are staying in his houses, it's a very powerful feeling because you are aware of Bergman's belief in ghosts. Um, but above that, I mean, I think all of my films, even before Bergman Island deal with the transmission and deal with that question of what remains after people, whether it be a father or an artist or who we admire, or, but people who we loved have gone, what remains and how we can somehow make their presence or heritage live on through ourselves in our way of giving space to them somehow. So, so I think it was always a concern of my films and uh, it took this form in Bergman Island, the form of uh, some kind of tribute to Bergman somehow, but it was this question itself was all already there in my films from the start. What do you think that it is about someone's connection to a natural landscape that has such a sort of profound impact, particularly with creatives, because I think at one point the tour guide mentions about how Bergman spoke about the land as in seeing, seeing the landscape he found, it was one that was already within him or had already existed yeah. inside him or something like that. I mean, like I'm paraphrasing there a little bit, but what is yeah. it about maybe creatives in particular that form such a connection with, with the natural sort of landscape? You know, I connect with that idea very much. Um, and it's also, of course, why I wanted to go there and, and mm. uh, make this film. Uh, to give you another example than the one that I give, in, uh, than the one that is obvious, I mean, Bergman's example with his relationship to Foro and the way it inspired him films and the way he, he felt like finding his own territory when, when he found this place. A another example, but I, I, I don't want to sound pretentious but it's just uh, it has, it, just because it's uh it's something i can talk about it's my experience of foreu i mean i felt at home at foreu immediately and it wasn't my home it was bergman's home it was some other swedish home 
I do have Scandivia Scandinavian roots, so I, I think it was part of my attraction to the place. But I mean, it was it was not my territory at all. And, and strangely enough, it reminded me of the mountains where I used to spend my holidays as a child in the south of France, well, in a part called L'Ardèche, it's the oldest mountains in France, and I filmed these places in my third film, Goodbye First Love, and it's very different, it's not, it's, it's, it's the mountains, there is no sea, it's, you could say it's almost the opposite, but there was something about the, the quality of silence there, and how it invites you to meditation, how, how it gives space or how it's, it encourages you to inspiration, to creation, or that's how I feel about it. Um, there was something about this quality of silence and the purity of these landscapes and how wide and preserved it was that reminded me of my experience of Ardèche and made me feel at home even if it was so different and even if it was so haunted by Bergman's own presence, it was never something that felt like a burden for me. I always, from the first day when I arrived on Foreux in 2014, I felt I could find my own space there. I could find my freedom. I, so it just tells you about this. It's another example about this idea that landscapes are mental. Or being, they are not only geographical places, they are mental places. And at some point, you don't know, it's some, there is something pretty mysterious about why some place you feel connected to in a way that it wants you to write a story there or to film this place. But what, what I, I, I should say also about this is that I, that connects with the fact that I cannot film in a studio. I, I could never... Until now, I was never attracted uh, with the, I mean, I, I couldn't, to me, making films has to do with filming real places, places mm. that have a history, that have a past, that are somehow haunted. Um, I think if I would go in a film studio, uh, how do you call that, a studio? Like, you know, like, uh, I, I wouldn't know how where to put my camera, basically. I need to see the sky and the light and the, and the, I think that really determines my relationship to cinema and what it is about and, and what it is meant for. It's interesting that you mentioned about the connection to these sort of scapes, even if they're completely sort of different areas geographically around the world, and but they can still have some sort of similar quality that reminds you, like you mentioned there, of the silence. And it's also interesting that you mentioned about the mysteries that can kind of... Uh, inhabit places as well so you're not necessarily sure as to why you're drawn to a place but you just are and thus prompting whether to write a story or make a film about that place etc but sometimes I guess as well me and another thing that I sort of took away from the movie is that I feel that uh, people make the pilgrimage to this place to try and seemingly uh, be as inspired and presumably have as much productivity as Bergman himself did there and I wanted you to talk a little bit about that and if you thought that that was a thing that people do, whether it's, um, you know, fledgling filmmakers or various sort of creatives, and if that in itself can potentially become problematic because then you feel that you need to be as productive or as creative as, as Bergman there. Well, actually, 
what struck me when I uh, was there, and I, I was there many times, I mean, not only one time to buy the film, but you know, there were several years before I shot it. So it was, I was there at least three or four years in a row. So I met a couple of people who were staying in the different houses. And I was struck by the fact that only a few of them were directors. Uh, most of them were had nothing to do with cinema. The people I met were like designers, musicians, poets, painters from all around the world. Uh, some Scandinavians, of course, but also like people from, you know, from Japan, from Iran, from, I mean, it was really, and I think, yes, so... I think the part of the people who go there who are there because as, as cinephiles and as if they were hoping to get the, from the houses, you know, the power of mm. create as much as Bergman. I think it's only a few, I mean, the, the ones that really are there as directors and who want to, you know, get the same inspiration as directors. I think it's only a very small minority. I think what most people are attracted to and drawn to is, is really the quietness of the place and the the the, the way it's it's it um, invites you to create literally and all the people I met I mean I'm sure some people go there and freak out and run away after a few days that must happen sometimes because I mean if you go there in the winter of the, the also even in the summer when it's really like I don't know when the weather is shitty and uh, you know when you are alone in the houses you can you can really get scared or freak out or feel this kind of anxiety that you were mentioning but to be honest all the people who I met and I met quite a lot they were all amazed by how stimulating uh the place was for them uh on a creative level they all loved it basically i never met somebody who said like oh i don't feel comfortable here you know i it's too it's too much or they they they, <laughs> they all loved it and and sometimes there were even too many people because in, in the house of Bergman, the main one the one we discover around the end of the film you know his private house where he was living uh, all the last years of his life uh, is this house is a place where everybody can go. Basically, you have seven houses on the island, but the private house is like the library of the Bergman estate. So that's where all the books are. And that's where, for instance, you can stay in another house, but during the day with like opening and uh, closing times, uh, you, you, you can go to the house of Bergman and just, you can work in the kitchen, in his office or wherever you want. There are several rooms. And everybody would go there. People love it. You know, people love to stay there. And it's, I find it actually very moving when you think of Bergman's figure. He was such a, a frightening director in a way. You know, it's like the, the statue is like, a, it's frightening because he's, he's made so many films because he's, we think he, him as such a serious and uh, austere man. And, and, and nobody would look at him like, like um, would think of his places as uh, places of hospitality. You know what I mm -hmm. mean? And actually he wanted, he wanted this estate to happen. He wrote a letter that is, that, is, that is in the house, that is on one of the walls. It's a letter that he wrote uh, in the seventies to say that he was hoping that after his death, his estate would become a residency for artists. So he wanted it to happen. And maybe it's part of why artists who are staying there they actually feel invited that they don't feel like intruders um 
one last thing about this is also maybe because I'm not Swedish, you know, maybe it helps. Maybe if I was a man and a Swedish director, that would be more difficult. And mm. I would feel like a comparison to Bergman and I would compare myself and I would feel some kind of, I would feel uh, so small and, uh, but th there is such a gap between Bergman and me because of our age, our culture. Uh, I don't have the same kind of uh, a creativity, creativity I will never have, I'm aware of it. So, I mean, I, 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 um, I don't feel like uh, I'm, in a competition with him. And maybe that, that helped me always to keep, to preserve a certain lightness and, or, mm. or humor even that I needed to have in order to be able to write this film. Yeah, fantastic. Um, I mean, it's just so good to hear that it wasn't so much of a sort of apprehensive experience for people that were going there and actually they felt the, the air sort of crackled with uh, creativity and people sort of created yeah. as well. Um, Mia, before I go, I just had to ask you this question. Do you, do you have a particular favourite Bergman film? Because I just needed to know. I know that's a tough question. It's, it's, it's probably a long one, but I just wanted to say I, I have, that. I, I have a lot. There are many of his films that, you know, that I would take in my suitcase if I would go to a <laughs> remote place. Uh, but there is there is there is one I, I I I'd like to mention one that people don't know because uh, maybe that will invite them to look at it and it's one of his films that that really um, obsesses me somehow even though it's not one of his greater films is The Touch. It's a film that he shot on uh, on Gotland, so not on Foro but uh, on the, the island close to Foro with Elliot Gould and Libby Anderson, and it's a film that Bergman didn't like for some reasons. Uh, but that I, I uh, that I love and that um, that I find uh, very uh, touching because it's a it's a very it's a film about a passion like many of his films but it's one of his most um, charnel uh, sensual film I find uh, the, in, uh, among the ones that deal with that. Well, I have not watched that one, but I will be watching that as soon as I can. It's actually, believe it or not, Mia, quite difficult to source a lot of Bergman films within Australia. It's kind of a, one of our national sort of disgraces, which I'm hoping to rectify at some point. But yeah, anyway, I digress. But look, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you on the show. Thank you so much for speaking to me from France. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. I was happy to talk to you. Bye. So everyone, there you have it. That was me talking with film director Mia hudson Louvre about her new film, Bergman Island. I can't recommend enough. Be sure to go and see it now. It is out in cinemas now, Australia-wide, uh, within all relevant cinematoriums. So be sure to check the session times and go and see this see this film, particularly if you're a fan of Igmar Bergman, as I am, um, having only seen a, a drop in the ocean of some of his films. As I said to Mia during the interview, it's um, almost a national disgrace how difficult it is to actually see or to source Igmar Bergman films within Australia. I really don't know why that is the case. Uh, for my recommendation for those wanting to to check out his films, uh, Canopy is the way to go. Canopy, the uh, free sort of uh, streaming platform there. So get a copy of, or get yourself on to Canopy to check out some of Igmar Bergman's films, including The Seventh Seal, which is my favorite. But uh, yes, so huge thanks to Mia hudson Lou for talking to me all the way from France about Bergman Island. And huge thanks to you as well for listening to this particular episode of the Right Way Podcast Program. Very special episode with Mia hudson Lou, as well as listening to all other episodes as well. If you haven't already, be sure to give a cheeky click on the follow button there on Spotify if this is why you're listening to this 
particular episode as well as all others. And uh, yeah, feel free to trawl through that. Uh, as we know, I like to term it the ever-proliferating back catalogue of any and all other episodes of the show thus far, uh, as well as staying tuned for a lot more episodes to come up in the coming weeks and months with some truly staggeringly cool and insanely talented creatives to follow. Um, and yeah, be sure to keep abreast of any and all developments as they happen on the social medias as well. Uh, on the Facebook pages as well as the Instagram which is perhaps the most active area to keep abreast of any and all developments but in the interim thank you so much for listening to this episode and I wish everyone a pleasant and safe weekend and happy Mardi Gras for all those attending I hope that it uh, stays relatively dry <laughs>